Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Vesey. So we're on the theme of pilgrimage. Um, to be a pilgrim is to, to travel with sacred intent, whether that be traveling over the land or traveling in our daily lives, coming to the chapel or just traveling in your hearts. Ultimately, all pilgrimage is a journey towards eternal truth. And the reason we start on pilgrimage is in response to a desire to go deeper in our lives. I've said over the last few weeks that we follow a path that's opened up to us by our practice. We, we arrive through our practice at the peace that passes all understanding and we, we enter into the present moment, choosing to become the present moment, as I was saying last week, and therefore be subsumed into the ground of all being, that idea that we can be in the present moment, but then we allow the present moment to take us over and we become part of that present moment, and then we become that oneness that we all aspire towards. We become a vehicle for the divine in the world. And through all of that, the way becomes apparent to us. But that's when the trouble starts, once the way has become apparent to us. Because like with anything, starting off is the easy bit. You can start anything. The trouble is to actually follow it through. You know, at the beginning, you've got the energy, you've got the grit, You've got the determination to begin, the impetus from our decision to get on the path and find your way. It's like, you know, uh, New Year's resolutions. You do have the impetus to begin. And it is actually easy to arrive in the present moment and, and easy to feel our way through that. So we get to that point. And then the mind comes in. At that moment, once you've done all the work and we've got in, in, into the present moment, then the mind comes in and the doubts begin. Do I really want to do this? Is this worth it? Do I really want to go through all this suffering? Isn't there a better and easy way of getting this done? Nobody else is doing it. Is it worth it? Are there not better things for me to do rather than go on this obscure journey? I didn't even know why I started this journey. And then... If you're walking, the blisters begin to appear as the soul rubs against your heel and your toes and you start to feel it. And of course, on the journey within, because uh, all of these journeys are a journey into the within of our lives, we all f- also begin to feel the discomfort as that other soul begins to rub against the places. See what I did there? The sole of the feet and then soul. As the soul begins to rub against the places where we previously made ourselves feel comfortable and we haven't got our props and we now begin to feel uncomfortable and the outside discomfort begins to be mirrored by the inner discomfort. The blisters on the Camino are mirrored by the pain within. No matter if you're walking the path along the Camino or wherever you're going on a pilgrimage, the real journey is the journey within. 
Because the whole point of walking the way is not to change the outside of our ch- uh, ourselves, but it's to change the inside of ourselves. The ordinary walk of pilgrimage is a mirror of the walk that we're taking into ourselves. That's the real journey, always. And that walk that we're, we're taking into ourselves, that's where the transformation happens. And it can be uncomfortable. And the mind doesn't like that discomfort. It wants to control the walk so that it becomes more comfortable. It wants, the mind wants to dictate the outcome as well as the way that we reach the outcome. Our minds want to take us out of the present moment and put us in control so that we can organize things properly. It happens all the time as our minds vainly try to control life, which is, of course, uncontrollable. There's a sign of madness, which is always doing something again and again and expecting a different result. You know, the mind always wants to control life, and it never learns that you actually can't control life. After the arrival on the way and the arrival in the present moment, then the temptations come. Like Jesus in the desert. The temptations, you know, turn these stones into bread, have something to eat, go back to Jerusalem and become a celebrity. God doesn't want to hurt you. God loves you. You don't have to go through all of this. Those are the temptations of pilgrimage. You don't have to do this. Take a taxi just the next day. No no one's going to know, are they? If you just take a cab just on that, that bit up the hill, you know, have a drink. As I said, today's the beginning of Lent, and it's the day that we traditionally talk about Jesus in the, in the desert and have ash on our foreheads. You know, that word, dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Seek Christ, the way of Christ in all things. And what that is about, it's really saying that there's only really one way, and that's the way of the ground of all being, through the peace that passes understanding that is the way we have to go but the mind doesn't want to go that way it wants to go its own way it wants to enjoy and it will tell you enjoy the joys of faith enjoy the joys of hope and love not the harder ways of the country of pilgrimage that we have to go on I always said we come back to Eliot's four quartets And there's a great bit in the Four Quartets where Eliot really describes this experience. He said, I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope. For hope would be hope for the wrong thing. And wait without love, for love would be love of the wrong thing. And yet is is there still faith But the faith and the love and the hope are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you are not ready for thought. So the darkness shall be the light, and the stillness the dancing. The darkness will be the light, and the stillness the dancing. And he's really saying, you've got to go through that dark night of the soul. You've got to go through the darkness before you can move on. You've got to allow that to be and not try and escape it. It's this sort of terrain that we have to be prepared for on pilgrimage. 
And the ashing that's done at the beginning of Lent is the commitment to move through the dark times where the darkness is light. You know, most of our lives are spent trying to engineer outcomes, passing exams, getting through college, that job, that relationship, that success, that pension, that retirement home. You know, it just sort of goes through life. You know, that acclaim. All of us fall prey to that. And pilgrimage challenges that because it takes control away from us. The way is the way, wherever it leads us, however dark it is. And our desire to impose our mind's control over that will just take us out of the way. We have to let go of our desire to control outcomes. We have to remain in our true home, which is the present moment, and die to those thoughts and dreams that want to take us elsewhere. To fully inhabit the way is to be prepared for all weathers, all hardships, all boredom, all pointlessness, all sense of failure. We have to have all of it because it's what we're given on our way. We have to have those things because that's on our way. And by facing it now, we prepare ourselves for all eventualities, including death. And interestingly enough, um, actually, if you want to explore, we had a really good Thursday satsang last week where Bruce did the subject of awe. And if death is an interest, and death you know, should interest all of us, Amy Maron, who's quite good at this, is going to be doing Thursday satsang next Thursday on the subject of death. So just want to say, if you're interested in coming along, just thinking about death a little bit more, uh, that's what we're doing on next Thursday. So, so this prepares us as well for death. And having set out on the journey, and with the success of finding the way and arriving at the peace that passes all understanding, and having arrived at the present moment, when we got to that point, as I said, that's when the trouble starts. Because our minds then say... Thanks very much. This is a good place to have arrived at, but now I've got it from here. Leave it to me and I'll show you how to make a great success of this pilgrimage. And you know, we have to die to that thought. We have to stay in the present moment because we are dust. And to dust we shall return. You know, we're made of the same material as the path is made of. And the dust on our shoes will one day be us. The dust on our shoes will one day be us. So the only way forward is to seek the way of Christ in all things. A couple of lovely quotes from Psalms, which I just thought were just so right. That lovely Psalm 131, which expresses this. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quietened my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. And from Psalm 27. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path 
because of my oppressors, the idea of a straight path. The path of the mind is wide with infinite opportunities for doing anything. But the problem is that these infinite opportunities are governed by the finiteness of the mind that creates them. True infinity is the eternity that lies in a place that's beyond time. The eternal of the present moment, that is beyond time. And you may think that living that way is limiting because it means that you can only feel what you feel or deal with what you have to deal with. But by letting go of trying to control outcomes, you settle yourself into the house of the eternal where there are no boundaries, only a deeper experience of the ground of all being, which is true reality, rather than the reality that your mind creates for you. So the choice here is between the infinite opportunities that the mind can conceive to make you feel more comfortable or more successful, or a relationship with the ground of all being that is eternal. Now your mind will say, give me the choice to make my life the way that I want it. But that misses the one point, that at a certain time, the ground of all being will come for you with a face of death. As Jim Morrison said it, no one here gets out alive. But to choose the eternal now means to live in the eternal for one's whole life so that when the face of death comes, it will be the face of the eternal merely taking you to the next step of your journey, which has always been in that eternal space. You never leave that eternal space, so you just take the next step. We're being asked to die now to all the great thoughts and ideas that we have for our lives and begin again to face the truth of our reality within that eternal nature. On all pilgrimages, we have to face that choice. It is why we undertake them in the first place, because we are seeking the eternal. The only question is whether we follow our own minds or enter the mind of Christ. That's what Ash Wednesday is all about, by making the choice consciously to follow the path of the eternal rather than taking the road more frequently travelled around the world. I just thought I might do a little meditation just to get a, a sense of, of how that might... Would you be up for that? And if you're at home, maybe uh, you can sort of, as they say, play along. Um, so if you're, if you're up to doing it, maybe close your eyes. And become aware of your presence in this room or the room at home. Of the sensations that you experience in your body. The touch of the clothes you're wearing. And the chair that you're sitting on. Become aware of the sounds all around you. And your breathing. 
Now I want you to imagine a fully alive plant or animal. Think of a person now who is fully alive. What qualities do you find in this person? What does it mean to you to be fully alive? One thing certain, to be fully alive involves the renunciation of one's past and one's future and the willingness to be in the present moment. You can't be fully alive if you're clinging to yesterday. For yesterday is a memory, a creation of the mind. It isn't real. So, in one sense, to live in yesterday is to be dead. Therefore, let go of your yesterdays, your propensity for living in the past. Now look at your future. And begin to let go of that too, for the future, like the past, is dead. It's a construction of the mind. And to, be live, to live in the future is to be dead to the here and now. So see if you can let go of your ambition to acquire, to achieve, to be somebody in the future. Because life is not tomorrow, life is now. So imagine you let go of all the ideas and possibilities, the ways you intend to use to escape the mess that you're currently in in your life, the things you're trying to get away from, to solve. Let them be. Have them. Know that this is the hand that the universe is giving you. Let go of trying to get away from it and notice the relief of being here now. A freedom of letting go of the past and the future and being in the present. Now take a look at the sort of person that you are. What sort of character you are. What things you enjoy and what things you don't enjoy. What you're good at. Look at what you're bad at. Get a sense of your strengths and weaknesses. Now let those go and know that you're not that person. That's just who you think you are. It has no bearing on who the universe wants you to be. It's just the best picture you have of yourself. So what do people think of you? How do you look at yourself through other people's eyes? Does that differ from your view? or Do they get it wrong or right? See that that means nothing. It's just other people's ideas of who you are. It has no bearing on who that divine nature wants you to be. It's just the best picture that they have of you. 
So now you've let go of all but the very present. You're dead to all that you thought you were, all that others thought you were. And just be in that place. Look outwards to others in your life. Who do they see? What do they need from you? How could you give that? What's stopping you? Just come back into the room. I found this lovely poem by D.H. Lawrence. It's called The Phoenix. D.H. Lawrence. Are you willing to be sponged out, erased, cancelled, made nothing? Are you willing to be made nothing, dipped into oblivion? If not, you'll never really change. The phoenix renews her youth only when she is burnt, burnt alive, burnt down to hot and flocculent ash. Then the small stirrings of a small bub in the nest with strands of down like floating ash shows that she is renewing her youth like the eagle, immortal bird. So you get the picture. And you can see where I'm going here. But this, this Sunday is the Sunday after Ash Wednesday. The first Sunday at Lent. And I'm going to invite you to come up in a moment and receive that ash on your forehead. We don't often do things like this here, but I'm going to invite you. These rituals enable us to walk through things physically and take something on and receive a mark as a sign of your decision to follow the path towards eternal, to follow that way of Christ, like to become, that, like those words of Thomas Merton, God utters me like a word, containing a partial thought of himself. A word will never be able to comprehend the voice that utters it. But if I'm true to the concept that God utters in me, if I'm true to the thought of him that I'm meant to embody, I shall be full of his actuality and find him everywhere in myself and find myself nowhere. I shall be lost in him. That is, I shall find myself. I shall be saved. So we're giving ourselves over to that. I've got me my equipment here, which I'm going to just move over to here. Here we are. And um, I've got me ash. So before we start, I'm just got a, a little uh, prayer that I'm going to say. And then those of you that want to, there's no forcible ashing here. So it's totally okay for you not to be asked if you don't want to. But there's a little prayer, which I like. 
And so we come before you, divine one, dead to ourselves, but alive to you, open to your living presence, and dead to all that we thought we were. We now have the opportunity to come forward and take on the ashes of death. From death we came, to dust we shall return. We open now to the presence of death, the death we experience in this moment, and the death that comes to us all. Steer us with the guiding power of your love, that we may reach towards the light that brings us new life in you. And so I invite you to come forward and receive the symbol of your death on your forehead. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.